Our sermon text this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 5, starting in verse 33. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. Again, good morning. We are in Luke 5 today, and at the end of Luke 5. Um, And this morning, we're looking at Jesus answering a question that's being asked to him. And you can kind of imagine that Jesus walks out of the party at Levi's house. There are sinners and tax collectors. Uh, I'm sure there were a lot of stories that were being told. Also, last week, we talked about how Levi has become a Christian, and he's now following Jesus. And they walk out of this party. Um, I'm glad that Greg brought some props this morning. Uh, You can imagine Jesus walking out with a turkey leg and a bottle of wine, And then all of a sudden, these religious people want to start asking him questions. And it's interesting this morning, too, though, that these questions are a bit more sincere. At times, people would ask Jesus questions, and Luke would tell us that he read their heart. And so he would give them an answer, really, to dig into their personal life. But here, I think John's disciples... And the Pharisees kind of had collaborated about this question on fasting. And then they go and ask Jesus. And then Jesus gives them a very sincere answer to their sincere question. What I want you to see from this passage is that Jesus is kind of opening up the curtain a bit and saying, here's who I really am. If you go through Luke 5, you'll see he's the healer, he forgives sins, he hangs out with sinners, but here he's saying, I'm exclusively the Savior. There's no other way to heaven, to God, except me. You can't kind of put me in with this other uh, religious view. I'm it. Now, they don't like his answer, but he, they ask a sincere question, and he gives them a sincere answer. It's interesting to see that John's disciples are here. And when we're talking about John, we're talking about John the Baptist, right? The guy who came before Jesus that we know from Luke, and that John had been preaching and teaching. And now, here comes Jesus, and they're asking some real questions to him. So again, what I want you to see this morning is the exclusive 
Savior, and I want to point out three things from the passage. A question for Jesus, an answer from Jesus, and a parable about Jesus. And in all of these places, he's saying, look to me, I'm the Savior. First of all, a question for Jesus. Look at verse 33 again if you have a Bible or if you have a device. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. What are they asking Jesus? They're asking a question about fasting, but there's a couple of deeper questions here. The first question they're really asking Jesus is, are you going to keep the rules? Are you going to keep the laws? There's this law, or really it was just a rule, about fasting. We fast, Pharisees, probably twice a week. The disciples of John also, who were kind of on your team, they fast too. What about you, Jesus? What's going on here? So they're asking about rules. There's also even a deeper question, and one pastor pointed this out as I listened to him this week. They're asking, Jesus, can we kind of all have one religion here? (laughs) You got the disciples of John, and they're out in the wilderness making honey and locusts and different types of foods out there, doing different things. Us Pharisees, we're strict with the Jewish laws. Can't we all work together? Can't we kind of make one religion with a little bit of everything in there? They're asking Jesus to join their team in some ways, or can we join your team? And they're also asking this specifically about rules, about keeping certain rules. I think if we all went out this morning and maybe went over to Kroger or, you know, Bojangles or somewhere, and the people who don't go to church, and we did a survey about people who don't go to church, And we asked them this morning what they thought happened here. I think one of the top two or three answers would be teaching rules, teaching morality, ethics, how to be a good person, be a good person, don't be a bad person, right? I think that's what most people think happens here, and that's what we're here to do. And so, again, it's a sincere question that they're asking him. Jesus, are you going to keep these rules? I also think that most people would gather that they can go into pretty much any religion or house of worship or place of teaching about religion. And most people are going to say pretty much the same thing. Right? All religions are pretty much saying the same thing. Again, these are the questions that they're asking Jesus. Because they're confused. And Jesus is saying very clearly, no. I'm not in with your rule keeping. You can't put me in. You can't mix and match me with your religion. No. Jesus is saying very exclusively, I am the Savior. And I'm the only Savior. And your rules, your religion, and what I'm telling you do not go together. 
Now, as Jesus' teaching rules, of course, we're going to talk about the Beatitudes, and he's talking about the law of God. But he's not just talking about the law and stopping there. He's talking about the law in order to show them they need to be forgiven. Not to keep the rules, but to see that the rules are showing his holiness and also their lack thereof. To show that they are sinners. Again, remember from last week, these two groups walk out. Tax collectors and prostitutes and the Pharisees. The Pharisees still don't get it. They're still blinded by their own self-righteousness. The tax collectors and prostitutes do. They know the law. They've fallen short of the law. They know they need a Savior. And Jesus is saying to them, I am that Savior. When Christianity becomes a bunch of rules, we don't get true Christianity. We don't get the real Jesus But when you come to Jesus as a sinner, and you come to Jesus and say, I know the rules, and I can't keep them. I need you to save me from my sins. Then we really do get the real Jesus. Jesus was very different than John's disciples and the Pharisees. He came for the sick. He came for the sinners. They're trying to stay away from him. Trying to move away Jesus does not fast, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, because he is God. He doesn't need to seek after God. He is God. And Jesus keeps the law perfectly because he's holy, and therefore he doesn't have to be around a bunch of people who try to help him keep the law. Jesus is the Savior. My encouragement to us this morning, just right off the top, is... Are you worshiping the real Jesus? Are are you coming to the real Jesus? Or has Jesus become just kind of this person that tells you the rules and you try to keep the rules, but you don't really have a relationship with him? There's a separation. Or are you looking at the real Jesus? I think it's important for us to hear this question and and wonder if we're also asking the same question. Also notice, secondly here, an answer from Jesus. And Jesus is answering them with an illustration about a wedding. Look at verse 34. Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Jesus is saying there's no reason for him to fast. There's no reason for his disciples to fast. Because he's the groom. He's giving an illustration here to help them understand that the reason you fast is to prepare your heart for God. To draw closer to God. That's the reason that the Old Testament law, and it was not as much of a law for them as it was a rule, but it was the reason it was there, was to help them get ready to feel closer to God. Fasting was done during Yom Kippur. It was really the only time in the Jewish law that it was commanded. And Yom Kippur was the Day of Atonement. And so they would prepare their hearts for the Day of Atonement by fasting. Spend a season of fasting uh, to, to get ready for the Day of Atonement, for the sacrifice to be made. And it's very similar to us as we do confession of our sin 
and then receive the assurance of pardon and come to the table. Imagine they just did a longer confession, and then they would receive the assurance of pardon, and then they would receive their forgiveness. Fasting was done to show them their sin and to show them they needed a savior, but they had missed it. They had just turned fasting into a rule. (laughs) You're just supposed to do this. Well, why? Just because. What happens when we get there with religion? What happens when we say we're just supposed to go to church? Well, just because. We're supposed to pray because. And we've really lost the reason. We've lost the why. That's legalism. That's making your your life a rule, your relationship with God a rule. Warning. That's where Phariseeism is developed. It's just do it because. And if you don't, and I do, hmm, I feel better than you. I feel like I am better than you. Again, we're judging ourselves based on these rules that are supposed to show us we're sinners. <laughs> They're supposed to show us we need Jesus. Not comparison, not judgment. Y'all, this is where we as the church can fall so short and miss it. It's when we don't understand that the rules are to, supposed to show us that we need Jesus. That when we come to confession, our time to, to prepare our hearts for the Lord's table, it is so that we can come to Jesus. If this morning you're struggling with confession, if, if you're coming to the Lord's table, you're coming to this time of confession, and you're saying on a consistent basis, I got nothing. I don't think I did anything wrong. I encourage you to fast. I think that's the reason we should fast. Because what fasting will do in us is it'll show us our sin, right? You're not just hungry when you fast. You're hangry when you fast. And you begin to see there's something going on in me that's not good. And then that brings you to the table. We don't just come because we're supposed to. We come because we need it. We're desperate for Jesus. And so be warned of keeping the rule without understanding why. But also know that Jesus was pointing them to something greater. When he's talking about the bridegroom, he's pointing back to the Old Testament. And the Pharisees and John's disciples would have understood that. He's pointing back to the illustration in Isaiah 62 and also Hosea of the groom and the bride. And the importance of that, Isaiah 62, 5 says this, And the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. (laughs) Do you hear that? Jesus is saying a couple of things here. He's number one saying, I'm God. I'm the main character in the wedding. I'm the groom. I'm the one who has come. But he also says that he is God rejoices 
over us. That as the bride, the groom longs for us. The groom has done everything for us. There's no more exclusive love than the exclusive love of a groom and a bride on a wedding day. This is the pinnacle. This desire, not the desire for anybody else, the desire for one another only. And Jesus is saying that he is God, and that's how much he loves his people. If you're a Christian this morning, I hope you will see that you need a Savior, and I will hope you will see that your Savior rejoices over you. He delights in you. Let me say this easy. Jesus thinks you're awesome. No matter what you've done. No matter how you've turned rules into bad things. No matter how your judgment and your hard heart. No matter if you can't come and confess your sins. He sings over you. He thinks you're amazing. And when you can't, when you can't go there with yourself, you're just feeling guilt, fear, shame. Jesus never says that about you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And Jesus says this and prays this and sings this over us. Jesus is saying, come to him. Because his love is exclusive for us, we can exclusively come to him. Well, often I'll hear my boys talk about their relationships with girls at our house. I have three teenage boys, if you don't know. So this comes up quite a bit. um, And I'll hear them talking about a relationship they're having. And they'll say, oh, we're just talking. Or we're just hanging out. Or oh yeah, we're going on a date. I never know the categories for that. It doesn't make sense to me. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, we used to say, we're going together. Now, my dad would say, well, where are y'all going? And I would say, I don't know, (laughs) but we're going somewhere. We're going together, right? But then I've learned the question to actually ask is, are y'all exclusive? Are y'all going to go on a date with, are you going to go out with somebody else or no, just her? I'm like, okay, you just answered my question, right? This is what Jesus is saying about him. He's exclusive. He's given us his exclusive love and he expects that in return. As a bride and a groom. He's saying, I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to God except by me. And he's demanding this of us. Again, if you are a believer in Christ, where is your exclusivity today? Is it with Jesus? As a Christian, there are times where we waver. I encourage you to know he's exclusive with you. Be exclusive with him. 
If you're not yet a believer, you're asking questions. You're coming and saying, what about these different things? And asking sincere questions to Jesus, he gives you sincere answers. But I want you to know, you'll always long for him. Your heart will never be full until you follow him, until you're exclusive with him. You'll try to be exclusive with all kinds of other things. And they will never fill you up. Your heart will always long to be exclusive with Jesus because this is who he is. And then notice what he does for his people because of his exclusivity, because he's the Savior. Look at verse 35. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away. What's he saying? He's living and he's going to die. He's there living the perfect life. And soon, he will go and die the perfect death. Why? Because of exclusive love. Because he cares so deeply for his people. Jesus Christ has already given us a picture, a foreshadowing of what he came to do. He came to die. And then he says at that point, yeah, you'll fast again. Because you'll long for me. And this is the point. If you ever hear someone say, and maybe you've said this, that Jesus doesn't make exclusive claims, that, that Jesus, again, is just teaching morality, and he's a good religious teacher and figure, then you're not hearing Jesus. Jesus is extremely exclusive. He's doing it here. I also hope that you'll see that all religious worldviews are exclusive. Now, let's think about this for a second. (laughs) That everyone is saying in religion, my answer is right. Even if that answer is, well, a lot of people are right. You're still saying you're right (laughs) and the exclusive people are wrong. It's kind of the whole point of a religious worldview is it's right, it's correct, it's exclusively the truth. Jesus is doing that here, and everyone is doing that, whether they'll admit it or not, because we exclusively want the truth. That's who our hearts are. We want someone to tell us what's right. And Jesus is doing that here, and again, he demands our exclusive love. So see the real Jesus Put your exclusive love, your exclusive faith in him and him alone. So again, the question, the answer, and then finally here, the parable. Listen to what Jesus is saying here in this parable. Is He's talking about two different things. He's talking about a garment or cloth, and he's also talking about wine. And he's bringing up something new. He's saying there's an old cloth, and you don't take a new cloth and an old cloth and sew them together and say this is now new, and this is now great. You also don't take good old or new wine and put it in old containers and say this is great new wine. He's saying when you put these two things together, you're, you're creating something. And his point in saying this is don't put me together with this. I, I think maybe a different illustration is helpful here. 
If you have gone to an old church, a church that maybe is 50, 100 years old, and they had a new pastor come in with a bunch of newfangled ideas, guess what happens? It doesn't go well, right? Because the old people at the church, the people who have been there for a long time and started the church, are not hip on these new ideas. We see this happen quite a bit. What Jesus is saying is that he doesn't go together with all this other stuff. And he's saying, I am the way. I am the truth. Ligon Duncan said it this way. You see, Jesus is saying, I'm not coming to do what you think I'm here to do. Because your view of the Messiah is going to do, what he's going to do is too small. It's too narrow. You're satisfied with the righteousness you have the old way. You're satisfied with the kingdom that was. I come to bring a righteousness that you don't have, to build a kingdom that has not been built. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to do it the old way. I came to make all things new. Jesus is saying here very clearly that he doesn't mix with other religions. You can't say he's a good teacher You can't say he's just a religious figure. You can't just come to try to keep the rules. He's Lord. He's King. And he deserves our full, exclusive love and faith. If you have not put your faith in Jesus exclusively this morning, I invite you to do so. To say simply to him, I want to follow you. Wherever you lead, I'll go. If you're here this morning and you are a believer, and there's something that you're holding from Jesus, something that you're saying, I'm trying to put my faith and love and stuff over here, repent and turn to him. We are offered the beauty and glory of exclusive love in Jesus. Come to him. Know that you can do this this morning. You can pray and talk to him and come to the table this morning with a heart of repentance and confession. Again, to say to Jesus, I want to follow you and you alone. Let's pray together. Jesus, we do praise you that you are Lord, that you are King, and that you are our Savior I pray that you would help us to see our sin. I pray that you would help us to see how we fall short of your glory. But Lord, I pray that you would save us from ourselves, from self-righteousness, from sin, from going our own way. And Lord, give us grace and strength to follow you. I pray for everyone here this morning, especially those who are struggling with their faith. Lord, I pray that you would give them grace and faith from the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can sit under it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.